This flash briefing was made possible by a sponsorship from Avexis, a clinical stage gene therapy company. The following content was not developed by Avexis. Today is Wednesday, September the 25th, 2019. I'm Michael Morale, Director of Multi-Channel Content for SME News Today. The lifetime probability of having a scoliosis surgery is high, around 80%, for young people with SMA type 1C and type 2, a Dutch study shows. It also was high at 71% for those with SMA type 3, who lost the ability to walk by themselves before the age of 10. Motor milestones not used in SMA classification, such as standing, may help predict whether a child will be likely to need a surgery, the researcher said. This new data outperforms older studies that had smaller sample sizes or were done at times when genetic testing was not available. Thus, it brings new insights into the natural course of scoliosis in SMA and may serve as a reference for assessing long-term efficacy of therapies. The study, Natural Course of Scoliosis and Lifetime Risk of Scoliosis Surgery in SMA, was published in the journal Neurology. Progression of scoliosis, a side-to-side curvature of the spine caused by weakness in the back muscles, is one of the most important complications for children with SMA type 2 and for a significant number with type 3. It impairs motor and respiratory function with most patients eventually requiring spinal surgery for correction. While common, the natural course of scoliosis in SMA is poorly characterized. No studies are available on the lifetime risk of scoliosis surgery in relation to disease severity. To address this gap, researchers from the University Medical Center Utrecht in the Netherlands analyzed data from 283 patients enrolled in a population-based study conducted in the country. The study group included people with SMA types 1 through 4 with an age range of 0 to 82.2 years. Most patients, 60%, had scoliosis and 34% underwent scoliosis surgery. The lifetime probability of receiving scoliosis surgery was high, about 80% in SMA types 1C and 2A, 2B, and 2C. The researchers noted that SMA types can be divided into subpopulations within the broader SMA types. These subpopulations, namely types A, B, and C, depend on the severity of the disease or on the achievement of the motor milestones before or after a certain age. For example, type 1A is considered the most severe within type 1. Meanwhile, type 2 can be differentiated based on whether the child masters sitting independently later than 8 months of age, which is type 2A, or before 8 months of age, which is type 2B. However, for type 3A patients, the risk of surgery was strongly affected by the age at which independent walking was lost, called loss of ambulation. Among those who lost the ability to walk by themselves before age 10, 71% received surgery. Meanwhile, just 22% of those with a loss of ambulation later on needed surgery. According to researchers, these observations can be explained by the fact that progression of weakness not only leads to loss of ambulation, but also increases the risk of scoliosis progression that ultimately requires surgery. In these patients, one year of walking ability corresponded roughly to a 15% decrease in lifetime risk of scoliosis surgery. Thus, long-term preservation of the ability to walk may significantly lower the lifetime probability of scoliosis surgery, the researcher said. 
Coming up next, perspectives from SMA News Today Community Development Manager, Kevin Schaefer. Are you interested in learning more about the latest treatment for spinal muscular atrophy? Visit treatsma.com to see how this treatment works, hear about family stories, and learn about the steps to starting treatment. Visit treatsma.com. From Embracing My Inner Alien, a column by Kevin Schaefer, September 24th, 2019. In 2017, writer Kia Brown created the hashtag disabled and cute. To Brown's astonishment, this phrase sparked a viral social media movement and it opened doors for her career. As the hashtag flooded her Twitter and Instagram feeds, Brown saw countless individuals with disabilities embrace a message of self-love and acceptance, a message that took her years to grasp. Fast forward to 2019, and Brown reveals the origin story of her beloved hashtag in The Pretty One. This memoir is as much about the author's journey towards self-love as it is an invitation to make the world more inclusive. Brown documents her experiences as a black woman with cerebral palsy, emphasizing the intersectionality of these identities throughout her book. As I read The Pretty One, I saw reflections of my own story in Kia's. For one, both of us are pop culture enthusiasts. We don't merely watch movies and TV shows and read books. We consume stories. Brown devotes an entire chapter to her love of pop culture and how that love is often unrequited. Like me, Brown longs for greater disability representation in fiction. I spend countless hours absorbing superhero soap operas like The Flash and Supergirl, but I would love to be in the writer's room on one of those shows. Brown writes about how she yearns to see more characters with physical and mental disabilities who aren't magically cured or used as plot devices to inspire the protagonists. When Brown examines the darkest times of her life, I was reminded of when I felt overwhelmed. I blamed SMA for my unhappiness years ago, and it wasn't until I realized that I needed to take action that I was able to move forward. While Brown's road to accepting herself was harder and more prolonged than my own, her story still resonated with me. Brown's story, at the same time, is vastly different from mine. In particular, reading about her experiences as a disabled black woman in modern America opened my eyes. Though I deal with ableism, there are other societal prejudices that I'll never have to face as a white man. Especially after her disabled and cute hashtag went viral, Brown encountered a wave of online sexism and racism. One of the more provocative passages for me is when Brown shares her opinion about the ABC sitcom Speechless. I've written about how much my family and I enjoyed this show when it was on the air, as it did shine a light on people with disabilities. It was funny and charming, without being overly sentimental or cheesy. Yet, Brown also points out that the show never aimed to portray non-white characters with disabilities. Though I often saw myself in the character JJ, Brown had difficulty finding that same kind of representation. Although the entertainment industry is giving minorities more representation, there's still more to do. Reading The Pretty One reminded me why I do what I do. Through writing, podcasting, and community engagement, I wanna show the world what those of us with disabilities can do. But raising awareness is our job. If we want our voices heard, then it's up to us to write, speak, and act, instead of sitting on the sidelines. I'm Kevin Schaefer, Community Development Manager for SMA News Today. The information in our flash briefings and podcast are provided for informational and educational purposes only. Be sure to tune in daily to SMA News Today for the latest news and perspectives regarding the disease. All of our podcast and flash briefings can be found on our website at www.smanewstoday.com. 
You can also find our podcast in flash briefings on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. And be sure to follow us on our Instagram and Facebook page as well. For SMA News Today, I'm Michael Morale, Multi-Channel Content Director.